Uh, Lord, thank you so much for this gathering, and may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight as we study and as we celebrate this festival and as we learn a little bit more. May our hearts once again be moved um, by who you are and how you have been God through amazing journeys in our lives. May our hearts and our minds and our souls be opened once again to hearing the story that you are writing uh, in the midst of us, and we pray this in your name. Amen. I'd like to share with you a message that I'm entitling The Shelter of His Love. The Shelter of His Love. As I mentioned, tonight, as the sun goes down, that is the beginning of the Feast of Sukkot. Everybody say Sukkot. Sukkot. Now, Sukkot comes from Leviticus chapter 23, and I want to share with you this passage. For seven days, you must live outside in little shelters. All native-born Israelites must live in shelters. This will remind each new generation of Israelites that I made their ancestors live in shelters when I rescued them from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And as you take a look outside, it's a beautiful... uh, I was actually walking outside, and James, one of the members here at Etz Chaim, said, we just finished our sukkah. Sukkah being singular, sukkot being plural. So you can see here's an example of what one might look like, and you can tell that they put a lot of work into it, a lot of decoration. And I'd like to share with you some of the features of what this is going to mean and some of the traditions that come about and then how that fits into our story. First of all, Sukkot is one of the seven main festivals that we find in Leviticus chapter 23. Passover, unleavened bread, First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, also known as Shavuot. In the Christian calendar, it's known as Pentecost. Rosh Hashanah, or the New Year, also known as the Feast of Trumpets. Yom Kippur, also known as the Day of Atonement. And then, finally, Sukkot. And these are split up. There's a lot of study that needs to be done regarding these festivals. They're summed up in Leviticus chapter 23, and they're, you know, they're all over the calendar. <clears throat> but fundamentally, the first four are spring festivals, and the last, four, uh, last three are fall festivals. And just like we have our calendar where we have spring activities and spring festivals and celebrations and holidays um, and fall holidays, so the Jewish calendar has that as well. Now, For those of you who know, especially for those of us who are governed by this calendar, Easter and Passover are shifting all the time between March and April, and that's because this calendar is based on a lunar calendar rather than a solar calendar, and it gets a little bit complex and why all of that is all mixed together, and that's why every year Easter seems to fall very early or very late. It all depends upon where that sun and that moon line up, and it gets fairly complicated sometimes. Now, For those of us who are followers of Jesus, many commentators have noted that much of the Jesus story actually falls in line with this calendar. Um, Jesus is actually sacrificed on the day of Passover. He is then put into the ground on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, right at the time when you're celebrating bread coming out of the ground. He then rises, he is resurrected on the Feast of First Fruits. And then if you read your scriptures carefully, 50 days later, which is seven weeks, exactly in line with that calendar, the Holy Spirit falls upon the disciples at the second temple for the feast of Pentecost uh, in Hebrew Shavuot. So, So far, so good. I mean, every single one of these major events is lining up. And again, each one of these stories, each one of these alignments has major significance for why that is. For example, just the sacrifice of Jesus 
lining up with Passover being the sacrifice of the lamb and the freedom from Exodus and what all of the deep meaning that that comes with. And then people have noted that the following fall feasts seem to line up with what many of us believe to be what is to come. For example, the fall feast starts with the Rosh Hashanah, also known as the Feast of Trumpets. And there's a passage in the New Testament that when Jesus does return, it will be at the sound of a loud trumpet. And then he's going to come and judge the living and the dead to make judgments regarding actions, regarding our positions, etc., which seems to line up with the Day of Atonement where we come and repent and we make ourselves connect with God again through repentance and through remorse and through uh, redemption. And then Revelation talks about how he, heaven and earth are going to come together, and when Jesus returns, he's going to make his place dwell within us and dwell amongst us, which lines up perfectly with the feast that we're going to talk about today, the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Sukkot, what I'm going to call the Feast of Shelters. And so, when we talk about our New Testament story, story and we, when we talk about Jesus, we start to see that the patterns that we see in the Old Testament seem to line up very well with the New Testament. So, again, that's just a very brief oversummary with that. It just shows you a little bit of why these stories are so important, why we take so much time in the Old Testament to talk about these feasts and we talk about these festivals, because they, ha- they are the foundation work, they're the groundwork for what is to come and the meaning Uh, that we can draw out of Jesus' life and the story of the New Testament because it's based and founded upon those stories. So, there you go. Go home, Yahoo it, Google it, Bing it, and learn tons and tons of connections all over the place. Today, I want to share with you a little bit about the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles with, the again, as I mentioned, the title, Living in the Shelter of God's Love. Some commentators have suggested that while this is the popular phrase for us, the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, there are some complications that can come, some meanings. For example, booths and tabernacles. Tabernacles meaning this structure, this huge tent that was built out in the middle of the desert. So what we're going to call this instead of tabernacles is we're going to call this shelters. And shelter has a little bit of a different connotation then tabernacle. Tabernacle sometimes meaning that big holy place, the place where God is going to meet you, the place that is separate from all other places, that place that is all decorated and ornate. But this festival, this feast is really about a shelter, a place where we can find refuge, a place where we can find shelter from the elements, a place where we can be covered. And the meaning that comes with it is being covered by God's love, by God's presence, by God's grace and provision even through the midst of the wanderings of the desert um, that we're going to get to. Again, if you take a look at this passage from Leviticus 23, you'll see for seven days you must live outside in little shelters. And the Hebrew word behind that phrase shelters is the word sukkot, sukkah. Sukkah for singular, sukkot for plural. Now you have a picture of what one looks like out here. You also have several other pictures. There's all sorts of different ways, and some of them are very ornate, very decorated. Here's another example where you uh, eat out there. Um, The command is to make sure that you live out there and to remember that time when we wandered through the desert. Um, But if you can't live out there, uh, if it's too difficult, at the very least, have meals out there. Uh, Here's another one that um, is decorated with some lights. And then in Jerusalem, they get very uh, robust, and you can see that 
in that particular picture that there's a lot of construction going on in those. And during this festival, you'll see these all over the place, again, as you see here. Now, for this particular festival, there's lots to talk about. There's three main things that I'd like to share with you that are important to this story that I think come into play for what I'd like to share with you today. The first is that the Feast of Sukkot is a festival of welcoming strangers. Now, I've mentioned this movie probably several times before if you've been around Spark or with Danielle and I uh, before. I would highly recommend you watch this movie. It's actually free online. It gives you a really beautiful cultural sense of people entering into this festival and the deep meaning of what uh, welcoming strangers into your house can mean and, and all of the implications of that. So this is a movie where they're struggling and it's a poor family and they're welcoming strangers that just got out of jail and what is the significance of that. And for us, it is a reminder, as we have talked about before, even with the Syrian refugee crisis, that you were once strangers and you were once out in the middle of the desert after, ex after the exodus. You were once in a foreign land. So as you welcome strangers into your home, it is a remembrance that that is what you once were yourself. So number one, one of the elements of this festival is to welcome in strangers. Number two, one of the elements is to wave specific species during that particular festival, and there's all sorts of commentary regarding the kinds of species. There's a citron there, there's a lulav, there's something from the desert there. And the reason why you shake these particular species, if you take a look at how it's celebrated, and you put them together and you shake them, is because this is a festival, the last festival, where all of the people of Israel come together. There's commentary that each one of these species might represent the kind of person amongst you. For example, are there people amongst us that know a lot about the Bible, but maybe don't do anything with their lives? It's all head knowledge, but there's no real outworking, no works. Are there people amongst us that do a lot of really wonderful things, but maybe don't have the Apostles' Creed, as Mark was talking about before, fundamentally behind it? Are there people amongst us also that have neither? And these symbolize all of those different kinds of people. And what's so beautiful about this image is that even during the Feast of Sukkot, the idea is that no matter where you are on that spectrum of knowledge and good works and all of that stuff, we come together as a community. God has sheltered all of us, regardless of your knowledge, regardless of your good works, regardless of what you've done with your life. God has sheltered all of us. And that's a really humbling reminder that whatever knowledge or good works we might happen to have in our lives, none of that is what has caused God to shelter us. God shelters us just simply because of his love. And then the third thing, of course, is that you are to actually build a shelter. So you welcome strangers into your house. You shake the species. You put them together to symbolize the unity of all of us coming together. And then what's most significant is you actually take the time to build a shelter yourself. Now, there's all sorts of commentary regarding how this is to be built. You can imagine that there's all sorts of traditions for how this is to be built. Um, this particular sukkah out here has two walls. Uh, many of them, many commentators will say you have to have minimum three walls. What's most important about every single sukkah, however, is if you notice on the roof, the roof is supposed to be thatched. 
And if you see out here, that's exactly what they have as well. It's not supposed to be a closed roof. And the reason for that is because this shelter that you are supposed to build during this festival is a reminder to you of the time when you were out in the middle of the desert. You had just been freed from Egypt, and you're heading to the promised land. And in between that time, you're wandering, you're not quite there, and you're in the harshness of the desert. You're in the harshness of the cold, the harshness of the heat. And this covering that you put over your sukkah is to remind you that you once lived out there underneath the stars, underneath the sky. And so when you celebrate, when you eat, when you live in this structure that you build, this temporary structure that you build, you are reminded, you know what? We were once out there, temporarily, in a structure that wasn't permanent, but that kept us, protected us, sheltered us, out underneath those elements, out underneath those stars, between the time that we left Egypt and the time that we arrived in the promised land. And so when you go out, you look up, and there is a, there's a law, there's a rule, there's a tradition that says your roof is to be constructed as such so that you, when you look up, you can at least, at minimum, see at least one star. In this structure, in this building that we're in, we can't look up and see that. There is a sense of permanence. There's a sense of arrival. There's a sense of security. There's a sense that we're safe. When we look up, it's permanent. Out there, once a year, when you build this, you remember the time. You remember that place. You remember that season in your life when you weren't safe. When you weren't fully, completely sheltered. When you didn't have permanence. When you were transitioning from one to the other. Now, just a quick note. This is to be a ritual. A lot of people see this as a religious duty, and I think that's fine. But one of the things that's really important about these festivals and the things that we do is that they're rituals, and rituals are supposed to invoke a remembrance and deep meaning. For example, you know the ritual of throwing your hat at graduation? A lot of people throw their hat just simply because everybody else is throwing it, and that's what you do, and that's what you see. Originally, most people think that this ceremony, this ritual came because it meant something deep about transitioning from one time to the other. Um, I read that it was most likely from a time when the Navy was graduating from one class to another class, and the hat changed as you went from one class to another class. And so as the Navy graduates got to that ceremony, they threw their hats in the air, symbolizing the transition from one place to another, that they had graduated, that they had moved on. Um, In modern, more recent Uh, interpretation. It's the casting off of all the burdens of responsibility um, that you have and entering into a whole new world. This is a ritual. It's something that reminds us of deep significance. So the question is, why do you take the time to build something like this? Why do you take the time to construct something like this? It's because the construction of it, the building of it, is a ritual that reminds you of a story and reminds you of your story, reminds us of our story. That once upon a time, a long time ago, we were people who wandered through the desert. We were people that were displaced. 
We were people that didn't have a permanent home. We were people that were in transition, that we had went from one place and we were trying to get to another place, but in the middle of that, we were kind of lost, insecure, unsheltered. We didn't have permanence. And as a result of that, we had to live in temporary shelters. And so as you build this, you're reminded, um, and by the way, that's part of some of the rules and the regulations and the traditions, you're not supposed to build the sukkah, the tabernacle, you're not supposed to build this shelter out of permanent materials. It's supposed to be out of temporary materials to remind you of that time. What is then that time that we're supposed to remember through this ritual? I've heard many people suggest that this is what is known as the land between. The land between is that place in our history, at least in Israelite history, where we went from one place to another, but we were stuck in the middle and we didn't have permanence. We were out of Egypt, but we weren't yet in the promised land. It was that moment in time, that season in our lives, where there was uncertainty, where there was confusion, where there was doubt, where there was a great event that had launched us into a whole new reality that we didn't really know anything about. This is what is known as the land between. And one of the things that I think is deeply significant about this festival, about this feast, is the celebration definitely of building the the sukkah, the shelter, but it is also, for me, a remembrance of a time or a season that I was in or maybe that I'm currently in where I'm in the middle of something, of a season, where I am neither at the place where I think I want to be and I'm no longer at the place where I once was. Has anybody ever felt in their lives that you've been launched out of something, a place where you knew, where you had permanence, where you knew what life was like, where you at least had familiarity, and you were launched into a new season where that familiarity was completely wiped away, a whole new reality, a whole new experience. And there's uncertainty, there is doubt, there's confusion, there's a whole new environment that is honestly sometimes scary, perhaps intimidating, causes all sorts of questions, and causes you maybe even to think, oh, I kind of wish I was back there. Because the, uns- the uncertainty of this place right here is actually more fearful than the certainty of the dysfunction that I knew back then. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The land between can be a place of disappointment where you thought that you were going to accomplish this, you thought that you were going to enter into this kind of relationship, you thought that this deal was going to happen, and you thought that this was the land that you were heading to, but it's not there, and you are fundamentally disappointed. If you've ever felt disappointment, if you've ever felt like you yourself were a disappointment, welcome to the land between, where you are no longer where you were, and you're, no, you're definitely not where you want to be, you are in this place of uncertainty. Has anybody ever experienced loss? Where, some, where you knew what life was like, and there was a security of the people around you, there was a security of the life that you had, and then all of a sudden, you got launched into a whole new reality. And this reality is so unlike the reality that you knew before. And it came as a result of a loss a death, 
some sort of tragedy, and now you're stuck right here, uncertain, wishing, longing, yearning for that time that once was. Welcome to the land between. And it's so hard for you in that moment to see forward, to see the promised land. And just like the Israelites, for those of you who remember this story, they're out into the desert and they're like, yes, we've been freed. We're going to the promised land. And three days in, it was so much better back in Egypt. Welcome to the land between. Disappointment, loss. Has anybody ever experienced a disruption or maybe a moment where you thought you believed or felt one thing. And then all of a sudden you met somebody or you had an experience in your life and all of those things that you thought were certain, all those things that you thought were absolute, all of those things that you knew to be absolutely true that gave you such certainty and security in what it is that you believed and how you shaped your worldview, and all of a sudden that's disrupted And now you're launched into questions about faith, questions about life, questions about truth, questions about science, questions about reality, all of that stuff. But you're not quite sure where this is going, but you're no longer in that world that you once were. This is the land between. All of this, all of these experiences, all of life's uncertainties, and sometimes it can be a great thing. You have actually decided that you want to launch into a new vision for your life, and you're heading somewhere, and you have a goal, but that goal that you have is still far off, and you're not there. And no matter how hard you work at it, no matter how much energy and effort you put to it, that goal is not quite yet realized, and the disappointment of that and the frustration of not quite getting there, that is also the land between. I would imagine that most of us, the reason why this story and these stories are so powerful for all of us is because most of us in this room continually feel and experience that we are actually in this land more often than we're in the land of security. Children can be a disruption. Relationship breakups can be a disruption. Job transitions can be a disruption. And all of those launch us into this uncertain area called the land between. Have you felt that? Are you in one of those seasons? And sometimes you look back and you go, oh, if I could only just be back there. It was so much better. Back. Oh, I knew it was dysfunctional. I knew it was crazy. I knew it. But the certainty of knowing that dysfunction is still greater than the uncertainty of this place that I'm in right now. Jeff Mannion has written a book and has given a couple sermons on this particular subject on the land between. And I would commend that to you for your reading. You can find him online. And I'd like to share with you some of his thoughts and his reflections on what happens in this land. First of all, he says that the land between, he sums it up by saying that the land between is fertile ground. Sure, there's uncertainty, but there's fertile ground. What is it fertile ground for? It's fertile ground for complaint. It's fertile ground for all of those complaints that come up. And because uncertainty is here and because there's a lot of criticism that could be happening right in front of you, sure, this is very easy to complain. Just like the Israelites had an opportunity to complain. The land between, this land of uncertainty, is also fertile ground for emotional collapse, which is essentially what happens to the Israelites and to Moses thinking 
is this ever going to get better? I mean, at one particular story, one particular point in the story, Moses actually says to God, these people are far too much. Why don't you just kill me right now? It would be so much easier if I were dead than to have to handle this situation and this circumstance. But the land between is also fertile ground for God's provision, God's discipline, and this last piece. The land between, this land of uncertainty, this land of unknowing, is also fertile ground for faith to grow. This moment of uncertainty is the exact kind of ground and place where our trust in God, our faith in God, begins to develop and grow and be refined and be sharpened and be strengthened. And I think that is exactly what we should invoke when we think about Sukkot, when we think about this temporary tent, and we think about the celebration and the ritual and what it is that we, the kind of meaning that we are entering into. We are all in this land between where all of those things happen. Uh, that's where complaints happen. This is one of my favorite images of complaints. I found this image too that I thought was really apropos uh, about complaints. This, this whole season of being in between just perpetuates itself, not only through the Old Testament with Moses, but then also through the New Testament. Um, and then I found this while thinking about this idea and this concept. We have this idea or this phrase or this, this axiom in American culture that time heals all wounds. And if we only just allowed time to happen, then we would become uh, healed or we, we would become better. And I think most of you understand that this is absolutely false. Because as we found out, the land between, they spent a lot of time in there. And you spend a lot of time in there. And that time that could be spent in there could actually be fertile ground for exactly what Jeff Mannion talks about. Complaint and bitterness, hardness of heart, cynicism, depression, all sorts of other things. That could happen here in this land between. And paradoxically, this land between, this place of uncertainty, even though it could be the fertile ground for that, it is also fertile ground for faith, for trust to grow. And somehow in a weird, paradoxical, complicated, mysterious spiritual mix, those are the two great possibilities of what happens when you are stuck between two certainties and you're in this place between. The question that I would like to ask is this. How is it that you and I can live in this land between and not grow bitter? How is it that you and I can live in this land between and not grow cynical? How is it that you and I can live in the land between and not lose our faith and lose our minds? And how is it that we can live here and not let the depression, the cynicism completely destroy any hope, faith, and love that we have in our lives? How do we do that? How is that even possible? Well, I would suggest to you that is exactly what ritual celebration, 
and the construction of a tent, of a shelter, is supposed to do in us. Something about entering into this season and this festival and this time that reminds us of our past, that reminds us of all of the times, not just now, all of the times in our lives where we've been stuck in the middle. Something about that ritual puts within us, reminds us again that all throughout those times, God was sheltering us and led us and protected us and guided us. And we are still here today, even through those past moments. And the construction of that tent, the construction of that shelter is, to, is supposed to invoke within us that memory. That is why we enter into these rituals every single year. That is why we take on all of these traditions. That's why you have traditions and rituals in your family is because it grounds you in that memory and reinvigorates, reinvokes within you all of those moments, all those times in the past. You look up into the sky and you see, guess what? Those stars that are there, those are the same stars that were then. The land that is beneath us, the land that we are standing on is the same land that they traversed then. The faith that we're still trying to hang on to, the faith that we're still trying to ground us is the same faith that they had then. And guess what? I am, we are still the same sojourners. We're still the same journeyers through this world as we were then. The building of this shelter reminds us that all of those things are still the same. And ultimately, all of those things are covered by the same God. And so this festival of Sukkot, this festival of tabernacles, this festival of shelters is to remind us once again that right now you might be stuck in the land between, but God is still here sheltering you, covering you. And just like his love has been faithful through the ages, so now his love will be faithful even through whatever transition, whatever season, whatever stuckness, whatever betweenness you are in now. And what's so beautiful about the temporariness of this is that just like the Israelites, their time and their season in the desert was temporary. And maybe hopefully that's an encouragement to you, that your time, your season of this stuckness, of this in-betweenness, it's temporary. Our friend Lois Tverberg uh, published this today, right in time for this message, and I thought I'd share with you her sentiments. As you sit in one of these rickety little booths, peeking up at the sky through the branches and feeling the wind blow through the walls, you realize that security comes not from the walls that you construct around yourself. That's really key. I love that line. The security that you have does not come from the walls that you construct, but it comes from the Lord who protects you. You also begin to realize the abundance of God's blessings the Feast of Sukkot offers a potent experience of what following God is like, feeling both insecure and incredibly blessed at the same time. That's the tension that we talked about before. It is a time of great joy as we remember the intimacy of those 40 years when God tabernacled with us, with them in the desert, sustained them each day with manna from heaven. When we're in the land between, sometimes we can only think and only remember, and only ponder, and focus on all of those negative things. But building a shelter, 
entering into this ritual reminds us God was there sustaining them. He provided for them. He sheltered them. He was present with them. He covered them. And just like he did that, so he is doing that with you too. So back to my question, how do we maintain a sense of growth in faith rather than a growth of bitterness during this time of in-between? We enter Jesus. We build something. And through the building of this shelter, through the building of this tabernacle, through the building of this tent, we are entering into the ritual once again. Just like God protected them way back then, through all our season. I'm in the shelter. Construct something. So my encouragement to all of us is we're going to celebrate the sun's going down pretty soon. The Feast of Sukkot is being inaugurated. We're going to celebrate the time that we're going to spend in the shelters. Um, We've got one at our house. We'll have you all over for dinner next week. Come sit in our sukkah. Come sit in our shelter. And as we do together, we are reminded once again through the ritual and through the building of this thing together that we are covered in the shelter of his love. And as we are stuck in whatever this in-between season is, we're reminded once again of God's shelter and that we are covered and that he will sustain us and that this season and this time is temporary and that all throughout this season, we are headed somewhere and God will protect us and lead us uh, all the way. Let's pray. God, thank you for these seasons. Uh, Thank you for these rituals and thank you so much for these holidays And I pray that we would see them not just as religious rituals, but we would see them, um, we would see them as invoking beautiful meaning and story within all of our hearts. Um, I just want to pray for any of my brothers and sisters who are stuck in this in-between season, this land between, that you would just invoke a sense of shelter for them and their souls, that they would feel a sense of your presence that they would feel covered by your love and that you would give them a sense of meaning and hope that this season is temporary and through it, their faith and their trust will grow in you. So help us enter into this season um, with full uh, love, full heart and embrace it completely. Um, And would you remind us, God, that we are covered in the shelter of your love. In your name, amen.